facing for the first time in 39 years. The Boston Bruins have won the Stanley Cup. Hello and welcome to the Brady Bros Boston Sports Podcast, where we cover everything in the Boston sports world. My name is James Brady, and alongside me is my brother Nicholas. Say hello. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode. Today is Thursday, November 15th. We are here in episode 5. And it's a miracle that this is actually exactly one week from the last time we recorded. But anyways, we will be moving on where we always start, in Fenway Park with the Boston Red Sox, which they are still the 2018 World Series champions. We will never, ever forget that. Every week until baseball starts again in April. We will remind you. Don't worry. Honestly, some disappointing news coming out of the MLB this past week. Alex Cora not named AL Manager of the Year. This award goes to Bob Melvin of the Oakland Athletics. And I don't understand. I don't get it because Alex Cora essentially had, well, not essentially, he had an incredible season, right? You come into a franchise for the first year as manager, you set the record in franchise wins, then you go through the playoffs, win the World Series, go a total of 11-3, and three, put a ring on your finger, and I don't, I don't see it getting any better. Now, I did look into what Bob Melvin did um, as manager to compare to and I'm not saying what he did wasn't impressive. I just think what Cora did was more impressive. And obviously, we are a little biased here, being Boston-based and everything. But um, 97 wins, which is phenomenal. But there were 300-win teams in the AL. So you got to take that into account. And I think the big thing here is Bob Melvin did it with the lowest opening day payroll in the MLB. And that's the first time that... Um, the record has gone to someone who had that financial situation at the beginning of the year. That is impressive. I'll give him that to make a playoff team, I guess technically, a playoff team out of the lowest payroll, whereas you see these teams like the Yankees who did beat them but have, if not the highest payroll in the entire MLB with these massive names, and to make it as far as they did is really, really impressive, but still... I'm a little bit mad. I'm with you here. Alex Cora, setting records like that, I don't know how you how you advance from that. How how do you have a better season as a manager than doing what he's just done? Because if he does it again, is that gonna is there still gonna be someone better than him? I'm not really sure, but I'm guessing that they don't take all of those things into account. There's probably a ton of other things that they take into account, but still, Alex Cora will be the AL manager of the year in my heart. I think a lot of Boston sports fans would agree with you. And it's funny that you mentioned where does he go from here because not a day later, actually the next day, so a day later, uh, Cora signed a deal that put puts him in Boston through 2021, and I think there's an option in there come 2022 that he can get out or something. So the Red Sox putting their faith in Alex Cora, and I don't think anyone has any objections there. It's going to be great to say 
see him as the skipper for the next couple of years, and we look forward to it. That being said, let's move into the next postseason award. We talked about this a little bit last time. Uh, the AL MVP is we're literally waiting on the news. They just announced Christian Yelich winning the NL MVP. So we're literally probably will interrupt this podcast in some other uh, form to tell you who won wins the AL MVP. But they are announcing that live currently. So we're waiting on that. Crossing our fingers for our boy Mookie Betts to take that home. But let's move into some more offseason stuff now. They are officially in the offseason now. Cora put something out on Twitter that said, see you guys in spring training. So he has gone on vacation Free agency. We do have a couple of bigger name free agents, if you will, coming up this year. Among them, Ian Kinsler, the gold glove winner for the second base. Craig Kimbrell, who we talked about a lot uh, last episode. Uh, Drew Pomerantz. World Series MVP Steve Pierce. Joe Kelly, Nathan Ivaldi, Carson Smith, and Brandon Phillips. Now, a couple of the guys on here that I definitely want back, and this is something you and I talked about a little bit before the podcast, um, Joe Kelly and Nathan Eovaldi, especially. They're probably the top two in my book. I'd say so. I think we just need, uh, if they can have similar performances as to how they pitched this year, which was very, very good for both of them, especially Evaldi coming in from Tampa and just playing the way he did was amazing to see. I think he only had one or two bad games in his entire however long, uh, about half the season he was with the Boston Red Sox. So would really like to see him back again with this team. And you mentioned guys like Kinsler. Kinsler is someone I think is give or take. I look at him kind of like a rental player. We get him uh, and use his talent to get to the postseason and win that championship. But I don't think he has a massive future in Boston especially with how big his salary is. And if we can get some other names in here, we have people like Brock Holt who are very capable of playing second base. So I'm not sure that he's at the top of the priority. Craig Kimbrell, we've already talked about that. I think his, I think his uh, career in Boston is probably over. The thing is, I think they want him back. He denied the offer that they... He denied the Red Sox offer. Oh, He wants more money than I think we can give him. Okay, well, that's news to me. But anyways, I've already expressed this. I'm, I'm still not even sure how I feel about Craig Campbell. You can tell me that he hasn't blown a save in the postseason this past postseason, and I won't deny that, but I almost had a heart attack every time he stepped onto the mound because we could be up by five runs, and I was not sure that we had the game in the bag, and I think that tells all. So, Craig Campbell, if you leave, I will be sad to see you go, kind of. But once again, I'm not sure that's the top of my priority list re-signing him and maybe we just go to the market and find someone who's a little bit better for my cardiac health that would be ideal uh steve pierce another guy i'd like to see come back he is getting older though 36 so maybe a short-term deal a one or two year deal to keep him while he's uh performing like he did over the past season uh i think a lot of boston fans are going to be sad to see him go if he does go especially taking home the world series mvp but you can't get them all. Yeah, you can. It, it, it is going to be give and take. See who we can who we can keep and then who we need to hit the market for. And I will be excited to see what new names they bring into this Boston roster. You know, we got a lot of young guys and a lot of young talent, but I'd also like to Bryce see... Bryce Harper. There's no... You think we don't have enough money for Craig Kimbrell? We don't have enough money for Bryce Harper. We don't have, we don't have the need for Bryce Harper because I've looked into this personally. 
We we don't need him in the outfield. We already have JD Martinez reduced Two to a DH. We already have JD playing the DH because he can't be in the outfield. So to pay Bryce Harper that much money and have to take away the defensive talent, I don't think is worth it. It'd be something that was very. It, it, It'd be very cool to see, but like you said, we can't afford. He denied like a max contract or something with the Nationals. It's official, like he is a free agent now, looking to just. There's a very large part of me that doesn't that hopes he doesn't sign with New York. Yeah, so uh, he denied a three hundred million dollar contract with the Nationals for ten years. So if you don't want three hundred million dollars, I you I don't know where you want to be. So. Uh, but unfortunately, I don't think Boston has the cap room or honestly the need for him. And he's a player I'd love to see come to Boston just because of the talent that he has, the way he plays the game, his temper makes the game a lot more interesting, in my opinion, to watch. But uh, Bryce Harper, maybe we'll see in the future, but but not now. Uh, a couple other guys mentioned Carson Smith, Brandon Phillips, um, not huge players, pretty much just uh when we need them type of thing, double headers, that sort of thing. Drew Pomeranz, I kind of would like to see back, although he didn't have the greatest year and his salary is a little bit high. So we'll just have to see moving forward what happens here. I think it's going to be a very interesting offseason in the MLB overall. There's a lot of big names, Bryce Harper being one of them. Um, Machado being another. The, ma- the main guys in this Boston team that we saw throughout the year who led this team will be there next year, and that is something very intriguing. And I think there's no one on this team that's expressing that they like want to and need to leave Boston. They're not all like, this is the best place ever. We're staying here forever. And no, I don't expect that. But it's not like they're all like, we need to get out of here. They're not, you know, pulling a Jimmy Butler, I need to go now. No, they're not doing that. And speaking of basketball, that's going to wrap up the, uh, the Red Sox portion of this show for now. I'm sure, like you said, we'll cut back and do it when they announce the AL MVP. So you will get our live reactions to that. But we'll move on to the Boston Celtics. The Celtics continue their lackluster start to the season, dropping or going 2-2 two and two over the past week. Let's uh, go through some of the recent games, if we will. Uh, November 8th at the Suns, they edged out a win with a pretty big comeback, if I remember correctly. Uh, they dropped November 9th and November 11th to the Jazz and Trailblazers, respectively. Again, uh, going down very early in those games, trying to work their way back, but not quite getting there. And then just yesterday, which many people I think are hoping are, is a turning point for them, they uh, a pretty dominant win over the Bulls, 111-82. Uh, to 82. Definitely a big game for the Celtics, just coming off a couple of losses that they probably shouldn't have had. Uh, like you said, going down early and just not being able to fight their way back. But the Bulls just marched in there, dominated, played basketball, got out ahead early, and just played their game. That was it. That was all you had to do is they got out early, played their game, and uh, like you said, hopefully a turning point. But, I, I mean, like we said before, it's so early in the season still. We can't be 100% sure that this is what we're going to see. There's no denying that what they've had so far has been disappointing as a fan, but I'm hoping that they'll they'll find their groove and just put together some games and really just be able to uh become that Celtics team we all want them to be. Yeah, so you mentioned them coming out early against the Bulls and getting that getting that lead straight away. That's something that they definitely failed to do over their three previous games and I think that's something they failed to do a lot thus far into the season. So maybe looking at that going forward, I also think we need to see a lot more um breakout games from uh 
Gordon Hayward. Kyrie did have one when he dropped 30. Um, one, but 31. 31. Uh, Jalen Brown kind of had a, uh, a good night last night against the Bulls, but we have yet to see like a real breakout game from a couple of their key guys, Horford, Tatum. So let's look for that going forward. Uh, interesting note that I found somewhat somewhat curious, I guess, that in Utah, every time Gordon Hayward touched the ball, he was booed. So Utah being his previous team, I guess I can see some people doing it. It was a lot. The people were relentless. Every, every time he touched the ball, uh, the fans really let him have it. So, Yeah, if I remember correctly, we talked about how there shouldn't really be any bad blood between Hayward and Utah and saying that there probably wouldn't be anything if not a standing ovation for him when he returned just after coming back from that injury that we all wish we could forget and took him out last season way way too early but I guess they were just really not feeling it in Utah and uh, I don't know uh, what they have against him but we do have another game coming up against Utah very soon if I'm not mistaken Saturday Saturday is that at home it's at home against Utah, and that is my prediction for Gordon Hayward to have his first breakout game of the season. I mean, if there's a time to do it, it's then. And like you said, just looking for individuals to step up their game, and it doesn't have to be every single game. We're not expecting Hayward, Horford, Tatum, Brown to all be averaging 20 points a game every single game, but if they can have those games where they put up 25, 30 points, and they can kind of lead the team and everyone working behind their momentum can get on that train and just do a little bit better. Uh, I think we will see a much more successful Celtics team. Uh, the Bulls game was something of the beginning of that, I guess, uh, with all the starters, I believe, having double-digit scoring. So everyone kind of had a very well-rounded night. So like you said, we don't need it every night, but it'd be nice if at least every once in a while one of these guys could step up, have a big game. And that's fun to watch as a fan too as well. That being said, before Utah comes into Boston on Saturday, the next game is Friday. That's tomorrow, as we're recording this, uh, against the Toronto Raptors. So look for some redemption here. We dropped one to the Raptors earlier this season, uh, and I'm looking forward to see how we stack up to another top team in the East. I think this, once again, it's a little early in the season for it to be very telling of what this matchup may be later in the you know playoffs or towards the end of the season. But if there's a game for the Celtics to really play well and step it up. It is this game. They had that big win against Chicago, use that momentum going to Toronto. And if they can take the win here, they get a little bit of an edge up on the East and some different matchups there. They're one less game out of first. So I think starting with a win in Toronto could really be the beginning of a turning point for them. But even if they don't win that game specifically, if they can just kind of improve their overall basketball, I think this team will be just fine, and there's really nothing to worry about. Nope. As always, we'll keep an eye on them going forward. Um, a couple of telling games coming up, but we'll see. Let's kick it over as we do to the other team that shares the Boston Garden in the Boston Bruins, and let's go through their past week. So, November 8th, kind of a, uh, a big loss, 8-5 to five to the Canucks. November 10th and November 11th, a win against the Maple Leafs and the Golden Knights, respectively. And then just last night, they dropped a 6-3 loss in Colorado against the Avalanche. Throughout those four games, the Bruins scored seven power play goals, which I thought was interesting. But they also gave up quite a few. So I think 
that is something they could look at going forward. Uh, they're very effective on the power play, it seems, but they also do give up a lot of goals. For example, to the Avalanche, they gave up three on the power play last night, and that was the difference in the game. So you improve your penalty kill a little bit and maybe get a little more disciplined when it comes to actually getting the penalties, and that's a different game. So something I think we should look at going forward, I was actually at the Golden Knights game, which is a very fun game to watch. They had a ton of power plays, and actually two different times they had three on five. One was for a full two minutes because the penalties came back to back, and the other was for a minute 30, and I found it a little surprising that they didn't score on one of those. They scored on just a regular, um, I think it was after one of the guys came back into the game from the three on five, they scored with like eight or ten seconds left in the power play or something like that. But power play, penalty kill, something to look at going forward. Uh, let's just continue right on. The Bruins are currently sitting at third in the East with 10-6-2. I think a pretty good season thus far. We've seen a lot of great players. We need to see more production out of their second and third lines, I think. Their first line is definitely um, carrying much of the offensive load when it comes to goals scored and assists and all that. But uh, David Posternock still having an exceptional year, league leader in goals, still now sitting at 17. And speaking of other notable players, Zdeno Chara went down last night with a lower body injury, and it is suspected that it's not anything major, but it will probably put him out a little bit uh, from the lineup. So it's just another hit that this Boston defense has taken. We've already lost players like Charlie McAvoy and others who have been uh, injured throughout the season so big names that are being taken away from this Bruins team and probably leading to some of their lack of performance at least on defense with their penalty kill and everything and we will see and according to an article by Nesson we will see some different rookies trying to fill those shoes so it will be interesting to see other players try to step up and fill that position that's normally held by someone as notable as Zdeno Chara but I'm hoping that this doesn't set them back too much and that Chara recovers quickly, gets back to the team, and we can move forward and have a successful season for the Bruins. It's always a blow to the team when the captain has to sit out uh, a game or a couple games at least. And again, going back to the whole power play penalty kill thing, Janet uh, Chara is always out there on their power play and their penalty kill, I believe. So another key guy in that aspect. Uh, should we switch on over to... The Patriots, as much as I don't want to talk about them, we have to. Yeah, last week on the podcast, we talked about the Battle of the Goats, and this time it was just a dumpster for New England in a 34-10 to loss to the Tennessee Titans. I actually did a double-take looking at this uh, when I was preparing this because I, I didn't watch the whole game. I couldn't physically. It just it hurt me. But I actually thought the game was 27-10, to so I was little even more disappointed to see that we gave up even more points than i thought um let's hear let's hear your thoughts on the game uh so i was in the car the entire time this game took place so i just only got play-by-play updates so just scrolling on my phone seeing each play and each time i'd get excited when the patriots started on a roll and then nothing would happen yeah so i noticed the patriots would get on a roll they'd start going down the field and then it'd just be three quick you know plays that went nowhere and they'd be forced to punt and it looked promising at the beginning and as time went on I almost stopped watching it in whatever sense of watching I was doing just scrolling through the updates but very very disappointing game on the side of New England yeah you mentioned they would get 
get on a roll, get a couple nice plays going. They only went three for 15 on third downs. And you can't have that if you want to convert to points. They didn't even get close enough to put field goals on the board. Gostowski did miss one, but uh, that was from 52 yards. That's an excusable miss in my opinion. Uh, you need to get your offense into the red zone so you can put points on the board. They were held scoreless in the second half, and against a team like Tennessee, that's just unacceptable. Once again, the defense still kind of in question here with a team like the Tennessee Titans, not known for an overwhelming offense, putting up 34 points on this New England defense. I think defense continuing to be the number one issue moving forward. Granted, the Titans defense is actually pretty good this year, but this Patriots offense is very, very good and should still be able to put up more points on a team like the Tennessee Titans. I think we expected the, uh, we've seen this in recent years, how the defense is, you know, a little shaky at the beginning of the year, but we've expected that it comes together toward the end of the year, especially going towards the playoffs now. Would we have six weeks left, or seven weeks of football, six weeks the Patriots play? But I think in this game, it, it not even defense, I think it came down to the run game. Tom Brady actually threw for more yards than Marcus Mariota did. On, and he attempted almost twice as many passes. The time of possession was almost equal. I think the Patriots were three to five minutes less, maybe. And the total yardage, the uh, Patriots, I think, were 100 less than the Titans. They were just a more effective and a more efficient offense. The Titans rushed for 150 yards while we only rushed for 40. Yeah, and I mean, the Patriots have never been a team that has been carried by their running game, but... You can only do so much through the air. You can't run every single play as a pass play. And being able to only manage 40 yards on 19 attempts of running, so a little bit more than two yards per carry is very, very bad if for any running back. And uh, was really sad to see. And just another thing to look to improve moving forward. It was Sony Michelle's return. I'm glad to see he's back from injury, but... We're going to need some more effective uh, running game if we want to really feel confident entering the playoffs. Yeah, the Patriots defense actually did force two fumbles in that game. They just couldn't recover them. One was on a kick return where the guy uh, fumbled it, but I think he fell right back on it. And then another was a fumble that ended up getting hit out of bounds. So two opportunities there to uh, get a turnover and maybe swing the game, but we didn't see that. Uh, it'll be exciting to see as the Patriots on by this week. Coming back uh, next week with hopefully a 100% Sonny Michelle Gronkowski should hopefully be back. Some of those guys that have had the minor injuries, again, it's just an extra week of rest for these guys, especially uh, the key players. So it'll be good to see going forward in the coming weeks that everyone comes back healthy and hopefully close to, if not at 100%. And as much as it hurts to see this loss, I think going in, to the bye week losing by this much is one of the better things that could have happened to the Patriots because you know that Bill Belichick is not pleased with what happened on Sunday and you know that he is going to make sure that this does not happen again Patriots are a team that are very very strong coming out of the bye week and I would say look for hopefully six very strong games to finish out this season yeah, let's take a look and uh, see who we actually play throughout the rest of the year so we can give up our kind of... So like we said, bye week this week. Week 12, we're at New York. Uh, uh, not really a telling game, in my opinion. New York is a weak team. New week York Jets, 13, that is. New York Jets, sorry, yes, to specify. Neither New York team is really 
great, let's be honest. Uh, weeks 13, this will be an interesting matchup, and I think a lot a matchup a lot of people want to see, and even a possible Super Bowl matchup. Um, the Minnesota Vikings come to Foxborough, play the Patriots. Week 14, we go to Miami and play the Dolphins. 15, we're at Pittsburgh, and we close our season with two home games against the Bills and then the Jets again. So uh, really not that tough a schedule. We have four teams from our division and then the Steelers and Vikings who are uh, playoff teams by all means. But uh, the Dolphins, Jets, and Bills are not really huge threats in my mind. I think it's good to have those divisional games moving forward because this is our way uh, to just pull ahead and, and get away from every other team and just really seal the deal, you know, take a game on New York and Miami and boom, we're in the lead by, you know, four or five games at that point and it's pretty much wrapped up for us. I think you brought up a good point. Minnesota Vikings, a very big game and on this schedule uh, next to Green Bay is probably the game I'm most excited to watch. Minnesota is a very good team. They have been a little bit shaky this year and I know below expectations, but Still a great team. We will get to see some some power coming from the NFC. And also seeing Pittsburgh, always a good matchup between New England and Pittsburgh and very possibly a team that we will see in the AFC uh, during the playoffs. If not the Chiefs, probably the Steelers, I would say, being that other team if we assume New England makes it super far in the playoffs. But a lot of good matchups, a lot of football I'm excited to watch. And hopefully, like I said, the Patriots can finish out their season strong and head into the playoffs a little more confident than I feel about them right now. All that being said in the Patriots, we said we'd come back to it at the end of the episode. Mookie Betts named the AL MVP for baseball. We can get that one off our chest. At least we got one of them, right? We got something. It may A very have- well-deserving award, in my opinion. Uh, doesn't quite make up for Alex Cora not winning, but hey, we got something. It may have been probably the most obvious out of, if I had to pick who was going to win manager of the year, Cy Young in the AL or MVP, I would feel most confident just saying, yeah, Mookie, Mookie Betts has this one wrapped up. He had an amazing season. Forget what happened in the playoffs and just, he had such an incredible season for this team and his player, I'm super excited to see come back next year. Yes, me as well. That wraps up the MLB for the year. So look for just free agency news and everything going forward. That's what we'll we'll be reporting uh, as most of the guys will be on vacation, living their lives uh, until spring training, I believe, starts in February. So I think that finishes the MLB news and pretty much finishes out the show. So if you guys would not mind leaving a rating on this podcast, we'd really appreciate it. Let us know what we're doing correctly what you think we could change, things you'd like to see in coming episodes. We're always looking for you guys' feedback, and just let us know how we're doing. Obviously, we're still pretty new to this, but any feedback is appreciated. So if you could, leave a rating. Our Twitter is at Brady Bros Boston, and follow us on there. We'll keep you updated. I'm pretty much the one doing that stuff. Uh, Tweet at us, send us questions, all that good stuff, and uh, connect with us on there. And lastly, if you want to sponsor us, send us an email at bradybrosboston at gmail.com. We are open to working with you and figuring out something that could that could work uh, for both of us and be a, a beneficial thing. But anyways, if you want to sponsor us, that's the email. That is going to do it for the show. So thank you guys all so much for listening. We will see you again hopefully next week. And uh, See ya. Yeah.
Oh, 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 oh,